This is Urban Tiger Radio, a project supported by CybermouseMultimedia.com, sponsors of our free weekly podcasts. Search for Urban Tiger Radio in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher.com and hit the subscribe button to receive free automatic downloads. Please remember to share and rate our show before you leave. This week's episode is... The Rocket Home, a short memoir of a week my life changed forever. Not necessarily for the better. Pivotal moments in your life aren't always your fault. They just seem like it when you're young. However they occur, it's the way you embrace them that counts. But some events stick in your memory in a way that allows you to take them out, shake off the dust and relive the excitement. Despite the fact that some of them have uncomfortable elements that sit as irritating as a burr under your saddle. The main incident here happened so quickly that it has an almost dreamlike quality in my memory. That it is true, I am certain, although some of the rationalisation may be the result of an adult mind analysing the actions, analysing the actions of itself at an earlier age. What I can't deny, however, is how wrong it felt to be moved, and that the blame I heaped upon myself that was then heaped upon by others, still bears a weight. Grandpa drove his motorbike home in the October rain. The shed doors creaked shut and the keys jangled as Grandpa eased into the kitchen, bringing with him the smell of beer from the dray and the taste and wet of outside. I earned the tea-time penny, pulling the overall legs over his boots and rolling them up under his chair. We sat in tiny corners in the tiniest of kitchens to watch each other, and Grandpa in particular, as he bent over his plate to see what was for tea, and we wondered if this time the beer and the cold would get the better of him again, and he'd slowly close his eyes and fall forwards, smiling quietly towards the potatoes and rabbit gravy. This night he must have been too cold. He asked Grandma to bank up the fire with coal. She threw a few last lumps onto an already roaring fire, and then the slack from the bottom of the scuttle. It hit the flames with a whoosh, and a ball of orange flame disappeared up the chimney. Grandpa sat back to eat. Slowly, so slowly, that at first we might not have noticed we found ourselves drawn towards the fireplace. The letterbox began to flap a metal tattoo against the back door. The air ripped around the edges of the frame. We bent as though a strong wind were taking us into the grate and hearth. First Grandma, then Grandpa, then Mom, then Dad. They all bent towards the fire to stare up the chimney above the Yorkshire. Quietly. There began a deep moaning. It grew into a roar like Grandpa's motorbike when he drove up the passage, then louder until it shook the air in the room. Suddenly, everyone began to shout and move around me. The chimney's on fire, you daft old bugger, Grandpa said. It wasn't me that came in late and drunk, Grandma said. Mom said, shut up the pair of you. Dad said, you're both daft old buggers, where's the salt? I'm going to Simpsons, Mum said, and shot off to the shop next door but one to see if they would be so kind, and she knew there was a public phone at the other end of the street, but would they mind ringing the fire brigade as our house was on fire? 
I was half in, half out of the back door, getting underfoot in any way I knew how, when Dad threw a big handful of salt up the chimney. Whoosh! It went with a white fizz and a sizzling sound, and Dad jumped back across the kitchen as a hot white cloud followed him from the hearth. It didn't work, he said. Billy, he said, bugger off out into the yard and stay there. And the roar was getting louder and louder until it played a note like a deep church organ, and the dark night air came whistling in through the open door, and the papers were curling on the table, the edges of the pages lifting and rolling towards the hearth, and the dust from the rug was flying, the air was filled with sounds that fixed your body right through like a spike as I stood there watching this thing that was happening to somebody somewhere else, and the voices sounded different and distant, and Grandpa said, I'll throw water on the fire, and Dad said, no, but he was too late. The kitchen filled with steam, and from inside the chimney there came an explosion like thunder, and the roar grew louder and deeper. Dad kicked me on his way out and bundled me through the door into the yard. We stood out there in the growing dark and watched the flames shame the moon as they leapt from the chimney. It rocked with a power and jumped against the blue of the clearing late evening sky. It spewed sparks and soot and great billowing clouds of writhing smoke at all our attempts to stop it. The flames grew longer and sharper, and the air whistled around our feet and into the back door to come out again, scarred, twisted and angry with flame from the top of the chimney. Me, I saw it as a rocket that had hurtled earthward from another place, and I'd been brought along inside it. And now that it had landed, I was here forever. I felt the earth begin to turn under my feet, and thought I saw the stars move as the rocket pushed and pushed against the ground, spinning us around so that we'd forget where we'd come from just a few short days ago. I stood on concrete perhaps for the first time fully aware of both my feet. I lifted them one at a time and set them down again firmly on this new planet of my life. The fire brigade arrived, with ringing bells and ladders and a pat on the head. I wanted to tell them where I was from, but I couldn't say it. I wanted to tell them that I wasn't from here, but from somewhere before here, somewhere down the street with a small garden and whitewash and flowers before an argument about me sent us packing up the street from Nan's, before this night set my imagination on fire and filled it with pictures of our house from space, with dreams of other rockets home, and how one day I might go back, if I was lucky. The hose from the roof poured soot and water down into the kitchen, and from the back door there came the sound of bricks falling inside a long, dark tunnel. The ladders came down, and went away, leaving water and silence behind them inside the cracked concrete bell of the yard. I watched the steam curl starwards from the quiet chimney. I heard the rockets chink and tick as their engines cooled, and the lights came back on in the kitchen after the fuse was fixed, and realised that we'd settled here and I had to make the best of that, in a new world where the land was cobble and concrete and nothing ever grew except the weeds and the crack between the house and the pavement, and the leaves on the far-off trees behind the high wall, where night-fell birds watched and whispered about us, nattering with quiet clicks and whistles, wondering if we would still be here in the morning, or would we too have flown off.
I looked at the wooden milk box nailed to the wall of my new life. The box with the mesh over the front, in which I'd kept the fallen sparrow that died. The one that Grandma told me I'd killed by being too noisy in the yard. The concrete caught my shoes and I scuffed at it, just to let it know who I was and that now I had landed. I was staying. The night remained. It wrapped itself around me with a cloak of smoke and steam and soot and the fear and frailty of older people and the visions of warm attic beds with sheets that tasted of tears and scorch until they'd all been washed next day and planted like flags into the new landscape of the yard so that the way-up trees and the dark silent watching birds would know and so the land would feel with every drip of water from smogged washing that we had arrived. Well, that's all for this week's show, folks. I hope you enjoyed your free podcast from Urban Tiger Radio. And if you've hit that subscribe button, you'll be hearing from us again in a week's time. So it's a goodbye from me and a... <coughs> from Nelly. Goodbye. <coughs>